listening to the Gesher Podcast, the place where the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities come together to talk about the things that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry, ministry representative for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry here in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Tommy Ice is executive director of the Pre-Trib Research Center, which he founded in 1994 with Dr. Tim LaHaye. The mission of the Pre-Trib Research Center is to research, teach, and defend the pre-tribulational rapture and related Bible prophecy doctrines. Ice has authored and co-authored over 30 books, written hundreds of articles, and is a frequent conference speaker. He served as a pastor for 17 years, has a Bachelor of Arts from Howard Payne University, a THM from Dallas Theological Seminary, and a PhD from Tyndale Theological Seminary, completing postdoctoral work at the University of Wales. Today, he's here to discuss with me Zionism and why Christians should support Israel. Dr. Ice, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Gusher Podcast. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Well, Dr. Ice, a couple of years ago, uh, a book of yours came out, The Case for Zionism, Why Christians Should Support Israel, and uh, I got it as soon as it came out and devoured it. I love this book. I give it out uh, whenever I can, because I think it does articulate so well the biblical rationale for what we would call Zionism. So I want to begin, though, uh, by asking you, what is Zionism? Well, Zionism is a movement that started in the late 1800s within the Jewish community, and they wanted to, uh, you know, return to the land of Israel. And so a lot of people think Zionism is like, you know, being a member of the Students for Democratic Society or something like that, but it's not. It's it's a legitimate historical movement that was founded in order to reestablish the modern state of Israel. So when we say that, you know, I would call myself a Christian Zionist, um, I think you would as well. Yes. When we put Christian before it, obviously that, that changes it a little bit. What is a Christian Zionist? Well, a Christian Zionist is someone who believes the Bible teaches that Israel is going to be restored toward the end of history, the latter days or whatever. And of course, uh, that's what we're seeing, in, in my opinion, that that is that's all it is. It's not some kind of, uh, you know, uh, communist type belief system. In chapter two of your book, you deal with, I think, one of the fundamental issues, and that is the biblical case for Israel. So I want to just ask you, why should Christians support Israel? What's the rationale? Yeah, because uh, God <clears throat> set them apart as, uh, uh, as his unique people, and therefore we want to uh, you know, have the view of history and the future that God has. And so he starts in Deuteronomy, laying out their plan in Deuteronomy 4, expands upon it throughout. <clears throat> you know, the Psalms talk about it. Uh, every prophet in the Old Testament, every prophetic book in the Old Testament, except for Jonah, uh, talks about a future to our day, time when Israel will return to the land, and uh, then eventually to what we call the millennium. So how would you answer those, uh, and I encounter this all the time, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, evangelicals, who would say, you know, I understand that we are to bless the Jewish people, but when it comes to the state of Israel, I mean, they they do things and they have policies that I don't agree with. How could I be a Zionist if I don't agree with 
their policy. Well, there, yeah, there are many Jews in Israel who are Zionists that don't agree with uh, various policies. You know, there, there's a, uh, a political spectrum there, but all, most of those people consider themselves Zionists. Now, there are some Jews in Israel that are anti-Zionist, but that's a whole nother story. But Zionism, as we've said, just is that we believe that the Jews should have a homeland in Israel and that they're returning to where they began 3,000 years ago. And of course, there's been all of these obstacles put in the way, uh, you know, like the Muslim people, et cetera. And uh, that, that's created a lot of strife and stuff. But we know the Bible teaches during the tribulation that Israel is going to be the focus, the global focus, and the whole world is going to blame them for the world's problems. And so we just because we see some of that going on today, uh, you know, heightens our expectation for what uh, is going to happen after we leave after the rapture. Yes, I always tell people, look, I'm, you know, just as a comparison, I'm a very proud American. I love the history of my country. I love the the things we stand for. And yet I will be a critic uh, pretty fiercely of certain policies that we have. But it doesn't make me uh, right. not an American, not a proud American if, sure. for that reason. Yeah, we, we have, you know, obviously a big divide in our day politically and people on both sides of the issue, you know, consider themselves Americans, as you said. Well, in your book, you write, uh, and I, I love this quote, you say, I believe the battle for Israel and Jerusalem today is more than just human interaction over an issue. Instead, it involves a struggle over God's plan for history and the opposition to that plan from Satan and his angels in the spiritual realm. And then you say this, to be on the wrong side of this issue is to oppose God himself. When I read that, I, th- I thought, and I still think, of the the phrase, the fr- refrain that we hear so often today in our context, we need to be on the right side of history. Well, I think that's essentially what you're saying, only you're talking about history uh, as God defines it. So flesh that out. What do you mean by God's plan for history? Yeah, his story. Well, you know, it's laid out for us in the Bible, beginning uh, uh, after the flood, especially uh, with the call of Abram out of Ur the Chaldees, and his desire. See, also, right after the flood, he started what's called nationalism or nation building. And so before the flood, uh, there weren't nations in the sense that the Bible talks about them, God establishing after the flood. And so God chose to work his plan of redemption and eventually uh, the messianic rule to bring in his kingdom uh, through uh, a a particular people, and they're called the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jewish people. And so that, you know, is where it all began. And that is why it has a divine purpose. And as I mentioned earlier, you see it all throughout the Bible, obviously, even into the New Testament. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. There are Christians, possibly Christians listening, who would say Zionism is a political issue. As Christians, we are to be concerned with the gospel, uh, sharing the gospel with people, not with political causes. Well, uh, they're right. Our number one purpose and cause is the preaching of the gospel, and secondly, discipling believers. But if you're going to have a nation be built, then you have to be involved in politics. 
And if, if uh, Israel, which was founded by God as a nation, uh, is going to be revived from their dispersion all around the world, uh, then that's a political issue. And in that sense, you know, we're involved in that. And it's because we believe it is God's will and God's plan. We don't want to be on the wrong side. I mean, there, there's a whole spectrum of Christian Zionists to people like you and I. Some get really involved politically. Others just pray for the peace of Jerusalem, <laughs> you know, and uh, so there, there's a whole spectrum of involvement. But Bible-believing evangelical Christians who interpret it literally, we all believe that uh, there is a future for Israel, and so we're prone to want to see that happen. Yeah, would you say um, that, yes, the gospel is number one, it is the defining thing, but that doesn't mean that there are there, there aren't other issues that are also vitally important in the scripture. Yes, exactly. Well, here's another objection, and I've I've heard this from more of some of our reformed friends. They would say the Jewish people are no longer God's chosen people. Um, they say now the church is the true Israel. All the promises made to Israel are they always say this yes and amen in Christ. Uh, meaning they all belong to the church in a spiritual sense. Well, so why does the New Testament uh, talk about a future for Israel? Uh, why is the book of Revelation, when you look at it, it's all about Israel, you know, and, and things related to them. By the way, uh, dispensationalism, which is the view that you and I hold, a premillennialism, pre-trib rapture, was was developed by reformed people. In fact, in the United States, probably 75 to 80% of those early people I'm talking about from the 1870s forward were mainly Presbyterians, for example. And in England, where you have Darby in the 1820s and forward, uh, you know, you have statements among the brethren that he was involved with. It says we're, they were all Calvinists to a man. And so what happened around the 1920s, mid-20s, is you had uh, Pentecostal groups like the Assemblies of God and others, uh, Foursquare, et cetera, uh, they got interested in prophecy, whereas before they weren't. And uh, so uh, they were involved in fighting liberalism. And see, dispensational premillennialism was seen in those days as the polar opposite of liberal Christianity, which was very strong in those days. And so you have us, say, from the mid-20s in the Scopes trial being a very small minority. Uh, and then all of a sudden, by the 1970s, they're writing books about how big and powerful our movement is. And so you, you had evangelicalism fighting for its very life in the 1920s. And it grew, of course, through evangelism and various other things. For example, the Jesus movement, I was involved in that in the early 70s to some degree. And uh, you, you see, uh, for example, uh, a book said that 30% of North American hippies got saved in the early 70s, early to mid 70s. And tell me that doesn't change uh, American history. Well, it did. It postponed where we were heading. And now it seems all of a sudden we've fast forwarded, <laughs> you know, past the impact of, of that happening. And so uh, this, this is a, has been hand in glove part of 
conservative fundamentalism, evangelical Christianity is a belief that God has a plan for Israel. And you see different uh, people. Some say you just sit back and watch. Others believe that you should get involved and uh, uh, helping to implement God's plan. What would you say to those who actually go to the text of Scripture to defend their belief that God has already fulfilled all his promises to Israel? So one of the things you address in your book is that some say that in Joshua 21, God gave all the land to the Jewish people, and so any claims of yet future promises that need to be fulfilled are irrelevant. He already gave them the land. What do you say to someone who brings that up? Well, he did give them the land, but if you read the book of Joshua and Judges, uh, they weren't Israel wasn't faithful to what God had given them. In other words, had they properly pursued taking over all parts of the land, that would have happened. But they didn't. They left some of the native people there that caused problems in the future, etc. So what you have is various reports in Joshua uh, about how Israel is doing and taking over the land and how God is doing. Well, guess what? God did great. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But Israel was, wasn't, even though they were somewhat faithful, they, they weren't faithful enough. And so it's an explanation of why what God had promised had not been brought to pass fully. And so that was just a report. And so some people, uh, like replacement theology people, grab that passage as if it's the final statement instead of one early on in the process of Israel taking the nation. Uh, and they try to say that to uh, teach replacement theology. If that's true, then why do you have all these other statements after that part of Scripture talking about the future for Israel, you see? And, and it just does as we say from where I come from, Texas, that dog won't hunt. <laughs> well, and I think you also point out in your book that, yes, God says that in Joshua 21, but as you go on through the rest of the book of Joshua, you also see where Joshua is still taking the land. They're still right. going to be taken. So it's not as if all of the land that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 15 was conquered by Israel, but God was faithful to give it to them. They just hadn't conquered it all and haven't until this day. You know, most Reformed people don't take the view that we're discussing, uh, but some do, and they try to push it real hard. You know, those who are opposed to our understanding of Scripture on this issue. Well, you know, there are uh, a couple of objections that some of my Jewish friends, uh, I've heard them discuss this. Um, they've said, Christians only support Israel because they believe it will somehow hasten Jesus' return. What, what, how do you answer that charge? Well, we believe that God, as the Scripture says, has fixed a day in which he will judge the righteous. In other words, he's, these are fixed on his calendar. And uh, <clears throat> there, there are some that believe that within our movement, no doubt. But uh, that is not the overall motive. In other words, I, having spent my lifetime in this movement, I can tell you uh, these are not issues that we ever discuss, you know, or talk about among ourselves. Uh, we just want to be, you know, serve the Lord and support what he supports and uh, do what he does. And as I say, there's a spectrum within our movement as to uh, how extensive that support should or shouldn't be. 
And so you have, you know, many examples of people down through history that have been very active socially, politically, and trying to see the, for example, before Israel became a nation, to see them reestablished. And others that say, well, all I'm going to do is pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you see, <laughs> and, and they, don't, they don't get that involved. But they, we all believe within our movement that God has a future for Israel, and he's going to bring it to pass no matter what. And so I can see why Jewish people would think that because of 2,000 years of persecution, um, much of that, most of it coming from the church. There have been millions of Jews killed during the church age by people that profess to be Christians. And I understand uh, their reluctance to, for the last 400 years, actually starting with the Puritans, you begin to have uh, within Protestantism, not all Protestants, but within certain Protestants, a filio-Semitic uh, view developed. In other words, lovers of Israel developed. Well, at near the end of your book, you talk about some famous Christian Zionists throughout history. Um, and I wanted to bring up one of them, uh, actually two of them by the end, but one is Reverend William Heckler, who had a unique relationship with Theodore Herzl, the founder of the Zionist movement. Tell the listeners about uh, Reverend Heckler. Well, Reverend Heckler was a uh, guy of German descent born in England, and uh, he was aristocracy, and he uh, was a mentor to the king of Germany or, or one of those countries, I think it was Germany, and taught his kids, and that particular uh, king in Germany had uh, the largest Christian library in the world, supposedly, at that time. And so Heckler developed a very strong uh, Christian Zionist uh, view <clears throat> in which he believed that, uh, you know, he and he became good friends with uh, Herzl. In fact, uh, I think it's in 1895-ish or something like that, he kind of knocks on his door without even saying hello and having met him throws a map down and starts uh, explaining to him, you know, how we need to uh, help create the modern state of Israel. And, uh, you know, Herzl was kind of in a way embarrassed at times with, with Heckler because he was such as really aggressive uh, German English guy but he knew so many royalty all around the world, uh, the European world, and he helped introduce Herzl. So Heckler becomes kind of the uh, a guy that helped inspire, and uh, Herzl wrote about him before he died at, at a young age. Uh, you know, about nobody was more sincere or devout to uh, reestablishing the nation of Israel than Heckler was and how he uh, talked about how important he was. So, you know, this, this is an example of how a Gentile was used by the Lord uh, to help reestablish the modern state of Israel, in my opinion. Now, back on this side of the pond, there was another man, uh, William E. Blackstone, and he was a Zionist before some of the Jewish community were Zionists in this country. Oh, Definitely. Yeah, in fact, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, in one of his books, says that says what you just said that he was a 
Zionists before uh, most Jews were Zionists, because uh, most Jews historically have believed that they should wait uh, for the coming of Messiah to, before they go back to Israel. In fact, there's still uh, Orthodox Jews over there, and even in the United States, that sometimes protest uh, the modern state of Israel. And of course, uh, anti-Semites just love to hang out with those folks. But nevertheless, uh, you begin in Eastern Europe to have a movement of people wanting to go back to Israel, you see, and uh, that arose. And then um, Blackstone uh, actually was originally from New England and he goes to Chicago and he becomes this very wealthy businessman and he devotes the rest of his life to uh, trying to get the United States to support uh, the founding of the modern state of Israel. And he came up on two different occasions with these Blackstone letters where he got all kinds of important people at, at those times uh, to sign this letter. And, uh, you know, from presidents to cabinet members to congressmen, et cetera. I think Louis Brandeis even, even signed one. Exactly. Which most, see, most American Jews were opposed early on to the founding of Israel because they thought they would be made to go back to Israel. And they were kind of enjoying life here in the United States and in various other places. And, uh, but of course, things like uh, the 1880 in Russia, that's why you had a large movement of Jews to the United States. Uh, and then you had, of course, the Holocaust and that kind of changed a lot of people's opinions <laughs> about uh, things. But God had been at work already, you know, uh, tilling the soil, so to speak, to help see the reestablishment of Israel. And as you say, people like Blackstone uh, did a lot as a Gentile Bible-believing Christian. And he died in the mid-1930s, uh, you know, but he was very, I think maybe 38, he was very hopeful uh, and saw, saw what he thought was going to be the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. And he played a key role. In fact, they have a forest in Israel named the Blackstone Forest after him. You know, he's recognized <clears throat> uh, as, you know, one of the, in Israel as one of the great uh, Gentiles, et cetera. Well, Dr. Ice, I want to thank you for your time and uh, certainly thank you for your book, The Case for Zionism, Why Christians Should Support Israel. Listeners, if you uh, want to know more about the modern state of Israel and Christians' involvement, uh, particularly the theological grounds for such involvement, I invite you to pick this up. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere. The Case for Zionism. Dr. Tommy Ice, thank you for your time today. Well, it's great to be with you. Should Christians support Israel? Dr. Tommy Ice says yes. I say yes. But far more importantly, God himself says that we should. To be sure, this does not mean blanket approval for everything the state of Israel does. Its support for abortion and same-sex marriage, for example, are things Christians cannot endorse because the scriptures speak against them. But at its core, Israel is a nation that God himself formed. Yes, it's a nation with a history of apostasy and rebellion against God, one that continues to this day. And yet God continues to keep his promise to Abraham that he will bless those who bless Abraham and his descendants and curse those who curse them. And again, to borrow that common refrain, Christians need to be on the right side of history, God's side. And that means loving the nation he has chosen for himself, warts and all. 
I appreciate the work that Dr. Tommy Ice and the Pre-Trib Research Center do to advocate for Christian support of Israel and to refuse to abandon the premillennial, pre-tribulational hope of the Messiah's return. May we all support Israel. Until he comes, may we continue serving him, making his name known, and eagerly anticipating that moment when we who are alive and remain are caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air with him forever. You've been listening to the Gesher Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Perry. For more information about me, visit ty-perry.com. For further information about the Friends of Israel, visit foi.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform to ensure that you receive future episodes automatically. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.